Borak Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 107th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for December 1983, progs 346 to 349. This week... Rogue slips time, Slain fights a shoggy beast, a homunculus is in peril, and dinos run amok in Mega City 1. Aw, hells yeah. Yeah, dino time. If you want to read along. Dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean, you know, top five giant lizards for sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Everything's top five this week. Um, (laughs) You want to read along with us. You'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread the Complete Case Files 7, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 2, Slain Warriors Dawn, and The Complete Nemesis the Warlock Volume 1. Sweet. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Top 5 Dinos, Fox, it's... Oh, yeah. Through one, Judge Dread. Bob would definitely be somewhere near the top. Probably like number four. Yeah. Uh, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant is TB Grover. Art robot Ron Smith. Letting robot Tom Frame. So, it's a dinosaur extravaganza in Mega City 1 as beasts from Sauron Valley arrive and parade down the streets. It seems like a pretty dangerous concept to have a dinosaur parade yeah. to the place that you're going to have people look at the dinosaurs. I mean, you, know, you, you got to get them in, into the city somehow, I guess. Um, I'm not like, I don't know if I super like how Ron Smith draws all these dinosaurs. Like, strong agree. I don't think it's his, it's his best work. You know, he's so great at drawing ugly humans that drawing, um, like, especially like the T-Rexes and stuff. He's, mm-hmm. I don't think it's super, super awesome, I guess. No, but, they look weird. Yeah. There's something but I, really off about these dinosaurs. Agreed. If you'd have told me that these were like dinosaur human hybrids or some other kind of mutation or something, I'd be more down with that. Um, mm. I do love how he draws all dinosaurs with mouths full of razor-sharp teeth, though. Even, like, <laughs> Triceratopses and Brontosauruses and things like Listen, that. Man, everything in the past had ridiculously sharp teeth. Uh, my favorite teeth feature that they have is that sometimes their teeth are really long and sharp, and then sometimes <laughs> they're really short and, like, sharky. Yeah. Uh, the same uh, dinosaur has yeah, different no. teeth moment moment. in almost yeah. every single frame. <laughs> And he, but just the uh, brontosauruses with razor sharp teeth always remind me of flesh, which is it is always good. Um, oh yeah! So big, yeah, big parade right, winding through the city. Some photographers spook Bob the T Rex, and he breaks free and eats their car. Luckily, the beast's shock box is able to keep it under control, and no one is hurt. But Dread, of course, is suspicious. Like keep these dinos under control. Yeah, it's just like. I, I am surprised at the restraint, but he does at least mention isocubes. The dude actually yeah. apologizes and uh, says he'll pay for any of the damages. Yeah, I mean, you know, the system seems to be working at this point, at least. We uh, we pause to hear from David Baloney, a lisping naturalist who briefs us on dino uh, DNA and laboratory cloning. Uh, um, he's, uh, he's, of course, based on David Bellamy, the uh, British natu- uh, naturalist, as we've seen... Uh, previously made fun of it a whole bunch of stuff. I think most notably like Dash Decent and mm-hmm. to a lesser extent Walter and things like that. Just a lot of lisping. Or, uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't, I don't think it's, they say it's called lisping. I don't know what it is when you do R's for W's. I always think it was just, just like baby talk or something. Um, I always called it a lisp. Yeah, fair enough. Um, anyhow, 
It's the standard stuff. Um, we got the very Jurassic Park style origin of Judge Dredd dinosaurs. How Except that the... he chips one away and goes inside of it. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, and then just how after the nuclear war, the dinosaurs were all able to escape and just start living in Soren Valley, I guess. Which uh, then they were consequently domesticated there again. <laughs> I mean, you know, they get captured and put in exhibits like we see. Like here, um, at the exhibit hall, um, there's four big meat eaters, Bob, Bob, uh, Bob and Carol, the T-Rexes, Ted the Allosaurus, and Ringo the Dionysus, the Dionychus. Um, and they give us the name for, for this story, Bob and Carol and Ted and Ringo, which is a reference to the movie, uh, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, which is a weird sex movie from this, from the seventies. Oh, oh, good. Like, so something all the readers would know. <laughs> yeah, if you, I mean, I, I imagine people had heard the name because it was like an, it, it wasn't like a porno. It was like a seventies movies about like feelings and like uh, it's one of these movies that's about like th- go, go, going to therapy and stuff. I don't know. It stars a young uh, Robert Culp, the un, the un, the unsolved mysteries guy. Okay, and it's got a really weird, um, really weird like ending. Like, if you want to see, if you want to get freaked out vaguely, look up like uh, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice like ending, because it's all just like it's the four of them like walking around this parking lot that's full of other like couples in various like weird clothes and gazing at each other like significantly. There's a dude with an Indian headdress in there, or or, or warp on it, or whatever. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> um, Damn. To, all to the tune of what what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Um, anyhow, we learn that the that these four dinos aren't adapting well to captivity, according to their robot well, caretaker Granville. I mean, they're in a uh, in cages exactly the sizes for them standing up. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, you know, I mean, hey, sometimes they like that. You got to crate train your dino, you know. Um, fair. Granville is cleaning up these sad dinosaurs and he resolves to free them with very little difficulty in fact he's able to just get them all free and they're going to head to Sword Valley Um, they'll have to make for the back streets and be careful which seems tough for giant dinosaurs um, especially when they start like fighting amongst themselves and then they get spotted by the security robot Oh, uh, God, I guess I'm just going to have to kill one of my own kind. I mean, you know, they can put it back together, I guess. But then they're off. <laughs> right away, they're spotted by a drunken mega citizen who calls in to report them. And Dred's called out more to deal with a drunken guy misusing uh, public phone lines than anything else. It's pretty great. He's he's leaning on it as his uh, bottle is just, like, pouring all over the vid phone. <laughs> There's dinosaurs everywhere. Uh... Yeah, getting very in the uh, in the episode 100 spirit. Um, <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> so, the dinosaurs make their way to the western wall of Mega City 1. Uh, a couple is awoken by the monsters and the husband is eaten right out the window. They've got uh, Spanish accents for some reason. Like, ay, ay, ay. Yes, it's not happening. It's not good. Uh, uh, Granville calls Bob the dino na- uh, naughty for eating this guy <laughs> as the wife wails about her dead husband. Meanwhile, Dredd has arrested the drunk, but decides it's time to check out on what he's saying and sees the obvious trail of dinosaur destruction. <laughs> I mean, something <laughs> big definitely went down that way, right? Yeah, it's time to call in a class one emergency. Uh, David Baloney is now doing a nature walk in Mega City One, looking at uh, cockroaches, radioactive mosses, singing quipas, and a mosquito. 
Then there's, uh, but there's also dinosaurs. I don't know how to say that with that. Uh, but anyhow, Quikey. <laughs> Baloney tries to go all crocodile hunter on these dinosaurs, but instead Which, is eaten alive. <laughs> I mean, in general, like, approaching a dinosaur feels like a bad idea. It's true. Uh, but now Dredd's shown up, and it's time to just make a break for the wall. The dinos run straight into these muty pens, or just, like, captured mutants being waited to be reprocessed into the cursed earth. And Bob, like, starts eating a bus full of them. Oh, God. There's just dinosaurs eating people as the judges come in and shooting. Granville cool. laments, it's all going wrong! I, I love seeing a dinosaur pick up a bus in its mouth as it's, like, trying to eat all the people in the bus. There's something that's very, like, your dreams as a first grader kind of feel to it, I'd say. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the judges are attacking the dinos, but it's not really hurting them, they're just sort of driving them around. They head into the electro mesh around the mutant pens, and then one of those new prowl tanks from last episode shows up. And uh, as and uh, Granville begs for mercy, please don't kill my dinosaur friends, but no dice! Dude, I mean, they're going to get shot with a laser in the face. That's right. The tank blows off Bob's head and he keeps running around, which also happened in Flesh, like in Prog it's 1, really, I think. Yeah, it's <laughs> real gross and real terrible, because they're, I guess, similar to chickens. They're just going to keep going. That's right. The uh, The decapitated dinosaur runs headlong through oh. the electro mesh and into the muty pen. Conrad. <laughs> That's um, great. Breaks the muty pen. Dread orders the gate of the Western Wall open and the remaining dinosaurs are released into the wild, wilds of the cursed earth. They go in peace to return to Sorn Valley and Dread goes to arrest the ringleader of the dinosaur circus for mistreating his dinos. That's right, man. Get a taste of your own medicine. Yeah, listen, you gotta you gotta be nice to your animal performers if you're like some kind of ringmaster guy or something like that. Like, don't be a jerk, you know? Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's hey, disgusting. Yo. Yeah. And I guess also, you know, they also dismantled that robot. Everybody loses. That's right. Next time, the Great Pie Fight. I'm excited for that. I'm really excited for something called the Great Pie Fight. It's pretty fun, actually, I'll say. Um, yeah, you know, this is a, a, an okay story, I'd say. You know, it's I love right. I love when Ron Smith draws ugly people. I don't think he's as strong with dinosaurs. You know, people have their strengths and weaknesses. That's what I'd say. Mm -hmm. I got dinosaurs. I stayed some people. It was about what I expected from the whole spectacle, which was mm -hmm. fine. Yeah, great. Yeah, N no complaints. Anyhow... <laughs> Anyhow, uh, but you know, I mean, it's, I do think it's kind of funny actually that, um, you know, while these dinosaurs are related to like the dino cloners of, um, the previous stories, they aren't specifically related to like old one eye or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's differentiated itself. Uh, yeah. Like they're not just like blood related. Exactly. Yeah. And speaking, you know, it's different than like Satanus and old one eye and all those other Pat Mills yeah. creations. Uh, making the same connection we did last episode, but whatever. And speaking of the Pat Mills Power Hour, it's time for Thrill to Slain. Beautiful. Do my best. Uh, yeah, so script robot Pat Mills, art robot Mick McMahon, letting robot Tom Frame. Oh man, we're upside down. This guy's gonna steal all our blood. Gonna quench our, yeah, t the Titan Dwarf Domnal is gonna f f quench the blade of his hero sword in the, bl in the uh, body of Slain. Which I guess is like a totally good idea. 
I mean, I guess. you're supposed to like use different liquids to like, you know, from what I've seen watching a show, uh, the show Forged in Fire, uh, whatever, when you're done with, uh, when you're finished forging a sword, you gotta put it in, uh, you gotta dip it in something just to, you know, finish it up basically. And so it can be water or oil or like salt water. Different liquids have different, um, like properties when you, when you, when you quench a blade in them. And so I don't know, I don't think human blood's the best one, but it is the most metal one. And that's what's important. You know? <laughs> Fair. Like, you know. I mean, that's what I, that's, that is what I'd like to see out of my barbarian comic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's trying to be cool, so let's do it. <laughs> the let's, bo- let's stab a guy. <laughs> yeah, come on, stab a guy. Um, so the boys are suspended over a big pit of skeletons, and they notice some <laughs> writing on the wall in the Aghum alphabet, which is a fantasy alphabet where everything is still nicely spelled in English, just with a different alphabet, which I appreciate. <laughs> um, it's real good. Gomnal and, or Domnal and his goons are doing some foraging as Uko translate the messages. And they're, they're all just kind of random graffiti stuff. Like, you know, oh, I don't want to die here. That guy he rides a horse. <laughs> oh, God. When suddenly from the floor comes Blind Bran, who is, you know, he's a miner, so he can sort of dig that stuff. He's dug his way in. I love... That he erupts from the floor like a mole man. 100% Bugs Bunny entrance. Uh, yep. <laughs> he frees Slain and Ucko, and the barbarian starts fighting his way out. He's, like, grabbing weapons off Domino's walls and taking people out with, like, shield tosses and head Dude, butts, yeah. and butts and stuff. It's awesome. The classic shield frisbee to your face. Oh, yeah. There's a point where I had trouble figuring out exactly what happened, I guess. But, yeah. um... Slain takes out one guy and gets knocked over, and Domino advances on him. Time to quench the sword of the Titans! But, as he goes, as he advances on him, Slain wakes up, grabs a gay bolga with his feet, and Toad throws it at Domino's chest, and then yeah, quenches, man. yeah. <laughs> and then he quenches Domino's blade in the chest of some other goon. <laughs> Super great. Yeah, we'll not the- have my brain ball. <laughs> Brain balls, top five it's ball. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of the top balls on the <laughs> body. Yeah, <laughs> you, Slain decides to ditch the sword. Whatever he likes his stone axe brain biter. He does oh, take yeah. the gay bolga though. So whatever. Hey man, it's a useful thing to throw with your feet. Yeah, and then he gives br- blind Bran all of Domino's gold and stuff as Slain and Uko climb back aboard their stolen mammoth and head Uko back to Slain's tribe. Uko is not pleased about the gold exchange. That's right. Yeah, he's like, I earned that gold by just bleeding you and you weren't noticing it. It's mine. It's great. <laughs> um, not So they head out of their mammoth. Not far behind them is a war band of drones on the march. And ahead of them, they meet a slaver worried about this thing called the Shoggy Beast, a hairy be- fiend that's eating people all over the area. Not great. Yeah. Both the uh, slave, uh, slaver Ordolf the, of the Big Grip and Slain agree that it's because of those drones. And then we get a cool section of um, how the drones use these massive carved stones at this place called Karnak to mm. power their evil magics, just in like these, you know, crazy ley line based action, I'd so say. awesome. And it allows them to like control weather and gravity, but it also causes time warps. And sometimes <laughs> people get caught in those time warps and become crazy beasts. Other times it just sort of pops out a T-Rex like we saw in the first issue of Slain. Hey, why not? 
Anyhow, you know, just be aware there's a shaggy beast about. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's uh, eyes looming in the bushes yeah, yeah, yeah. of a whatever. Yeah, just in the bushes as Slane and Oko make camp for the night. So, <laughs> it looks like uh, Ordolf and his and his slaves have been attacked by the shaggy beast. Slane hears it and comes running. And the beast's a big boar man. It's cool. Swear boar. Yeah. Slane attacks it, but his axe gets blocked. So he's got to, like, smack it in the face with a tree branch and then wrestle its tusks. So great. It's like it's, holding onto his pig nose and it's real, like, just yeah. trying to break his neck, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the two of them tumble off the side of a cliff, though Slane is able to grab a rock and climb back up about halfway up, halfway down. Uh, so because Ordof was killed by the Shaggy Beast, the slaves are now slain. Are now slains. Uh, but he wants them freed. Uko disagrees, and so he keeps the slaves for himself. But man, these slaves are whiny! Ah, <laughs> uh, man, like... They need food, and they want to drink, and I guess also poop, maybe? Yeah, like, some guy's real tough, and you gotta feed him chicken liver- chicken livers if he's gonna stay tough, you know, so he gets oh, a good price. Um, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, in the darkness, our guys see the lights from the Drune War Party. They Maybe they're still angry about that whole uh, Drune, uh, Drune Maton stuff, or maybe they have some weird new plan, and that's weird with several meanings. Ooh. Yeah. So the Druids are on the march, and but the uh the uh our guys are just whiling away the night with Uko playing a dice game with one of his new slaves. He's doing <laughs> great until the slave Gort the Gambler, which should be a tip off, uh wage wagers an amber ring against his freedom, and it turns out to be a hustle, and suddenly Uko is Gort's slave. Oh no. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Real good. Because first they wagered for the ring for Gort's freedom, and then they went double for nothing with you for don't Uko's ever freedom. Double for nothing, man. Especially not after your luck has suddenly changed after you've been winning all night. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just cut your losses. Seriously, Slane thinks it's pretty funny, though. I I kind of agree. Gort's yeah. real mean to Uko, like just kicks him in the face, kicks him in the ass constantly and stuff. I mean. Um, he did keep them as slaves. <laughs> Turnabout's fair play, always. Um, so, Oko begs Slane to free him, and Slane eventually relent, re- 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 relents, and he gives Gort another bet. The two of them will throw spears at each other, no dodging sideways, and the winner gets all the slaves. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, and the other one dies, so it's tough. <laughs> thing is, is that he's not particularly known for his sideways dodging. It's true. Gort gets the first throw, and his aim is true, but Slane is able to salmon leap, so he jumps straight over it, dodging upwards, not sideways. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he tried to jump also, which just really made right. him catch yeah. it in the chest. It's, it's Slane's turn. Gort tries to jump, but Slane aims, aims high, and now Gort is a shish kebab. It's real not great. Yeah, Slane just, you know, now that this whole thing's over, Slane frees the rest of the slaves, and he and Oko head out on their mammoth. On their way, they, on the, on their way, con- still continuing north to Slane's tribe, they pass a body with claw marks on it near a swamp house. Ooh. Maybe it's the Shoggy Beast's lair. Next time, unwelcome guests. I love that they've kept their mount so far. <laughs> You this know, giant, yeah. awesome mammoth that's just pooping everywhere. Man, I want to like if I, you know, if given the choice, I would ride a mammoth more than any other animal, even if it didn't like fight or anything. That's just a cool way to get around. Dude, I mean, if you look at it, it's got a giant platform on its back for chilling. 
Yeah, it's exactly. You can like lie down. You can take a nap and stuff. You know that that have, knows you what's have a going. Lunch. Yeah, it's, I mean, they, we, you, we we saw him pouring drinks last episode. Yeah, it <laughs> probably has like a has like a retractable roof. Man, they got it. They're living it up, and they've got slaves. That's right. Well, I mean, they, they gave up the slaves, so it's like whatever. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. But speaking of uh, another kind of slave fox, by which I mean, of course, robots. <laughs> oh, it's Thrill Three Nemesis the Warlock. Oh man, Quake is doing still some big jobs. <laughs> Always. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Kevin O'Neill, letter robot Steve Potter. So a Mechquake who I'm now noticing actually has a funny cat face kind of thing going on. <laughs> I just always imagine him speaking like a small child. Like I mean, in a small child's voice. Ca- canonically, I think uh, Pat Mills has said that he sounds like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. Um, but I like the ch- the small child voice is all- child voice is also fun. I think like big jobs. Oh. <laughs> so uh, uh, Mechquake is breaking up the wrecks of like robots and other technology as the humans prepare to leave the planet so that uh, the aliens can't learn their secrets. Yeah, he pauses to ask the dying body of Torque Armada if he's seen these droids. And- yeah, and he's got a. A rather large picture of, of Rojas and Hammerstein. I was going to say that too. Yeah, it's a photo robot of Rojas and Hammerstein, which based on the size of Mechquake's hand, that picture must be the size of like a small town. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> it's like, real big. Yeah. But How anyhow, did he commission yeah. that? You know, he probably just, whatever, it's part of his payment or something. But man, after all these years, Mechquake still wants to destroy those two. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, and then tur- surprise turn of events, someone's seen Rojas, specifically the head of Torque Armada. Yeah, Torque Armada has, does remember Rojas and says he's a real jerk. And, you know, all this stuff, this is just kind of a brief, this is like the, uh, like whatever, the uh, Nick Fury at the end of the Avengers. <laughs> or like, you know, uh, yeah. like little teaser thing for the return of Ro- of Rojas, Hammerstein, and perhaps some other alphabetical robots uh, in, a, in the next Nemesis chapter. Um, anyhow, <laughs> Mechquake gets aboard the ship as the humans head out. Brother Hieronymus questions the actions of Sir Everick, but Sir Everick ain't care, you know. And we'll remember that last episode, Nemesis promised him wealth, bravery, and to be young and handsome. He's got the first two. Yeah. And as soon as he's off planet, he's going to get totally handsome. And young. Back on Termite, the, like, terrifying, ghostly form of Torquemada. Like, he's like... Oh, kind of yeah, like a it's dude, like super creepy, gross body horror. Yeah, like a, like like take like a, a a melted skeleton and just pull it out in weird areas to make it look all all weird, and then just a lot more tentacles than you kind of like on a human body. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it's really gross, really sharp claws and like yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, he said so. Torquemada wants answers, and Hieronymus says that Everk has gone through some changes. Which we see when he shows up with a gross giant head. Yeah, on like a weird, gross, long neck and his like a normal human body. His head's so big he's got to carry it with both hands like a basketball or something. Um, although so gross. bigger than a basketball, like I don't know, like a, yeah, like a, a world's strongest man kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's transformed into a young male uh, catalopus, which mm. is a bull monster from Roman myth. And an alien. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you'll kill some in D&D every now and then. Um, but oh. Nemesis says that the Catalopus is one of the most handsome creatures in all the galaxy. So he's kept his promise. 
in a certain sort of, you know, demonic genie kind of way. <laughs> I mean, like, this is why you don't sign a deal with uh, kind of the devil, right? Or at like, least you're you not going to si- get 100%. Yeah. Or at least sign a deal with specifics, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, Sir Everick is a crazy monster guy, but he's not afraid of Torquemada, though he probably should be because he's a monster guy. He's taken yeah. away and he's put into a motor pillory right next to Brother Gogol from Nemesis Book 1. All right, callback. Dude, and I guess they're just carted around the city where people poke yeah. him and throw shit at him. Yeah, as a warning not to truck with aliens, you know? They are deviants most foul. That's right. So things seem to be going bad for Torquemada today. But, oh, sorry, the plan for Chira is still underway. Back at a Yggdrasil castle, everyone's toasting nemesis. The human siege machines are melted down and forged into a giant nemesis statue. Seems, you know, I mean, I guess you could just do that. You could also use it for anything else, right? Oh, I nah. guess they live off of the tree and the tree prevents yeah, everything. Yeah, they got their own natural society. stuff. They don't need that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like the guys from uh, from Avatar. They got the tree. They don't need uh, human technology. Yep, there we go. And freaking whatever. Anyhow, um, <laughs> <laughs> but they can all they can all stick a vine in the back of their head and and have a giant spirit orgy. Yeah, that's right. Um, everyone's got uh. everyone's got USBs built into their heads. Anyhow, um, <laughs> it seems like Nemesis has better things to do though, because back on the planet uh, Gandharva, which is a, a, a name of a Hindu text, actually, which I thought was kind of interesting. But oh, anyhow, um, Torquemada's assassins have found Chira and Toth. Get the net. Um, <laughs> which I. <laughs> The, what's the first thing you do as assassins? I guess not, like, try to pick her off from a distance or anything like that. No, you just come right in with the net, bro. I love nets. It's my, I lo- net gun's my, my favorite weapon. But, um, real good. under attack, Chira breaks free from the net and hides Thoth under a rock. But she knows she will not survive. So she transfers her mystic force to the gross baby warlock and gives him the power! As she dons her armor to go fight to the death. With her cool armor on, Chira goes to face the assassins. There's a full page that's just a single image. Solid red as the assassins fight Chira. And she proves that the female warlock is the deadliest of creatures. More savage than the male. There's just... Just Carnage. A, a ton of carnage is amazing pictures of centaur versus human battles as little Thoth looks on his gross eyes welling with tears. <laughs> the fight- disgusting mouth with tons of weird, gross, gooey it's the saddest, sticky, yeah. baggy, gross monster. The fight rages on but with most of the humans dead, the master of the assassins leaps onto Chira's back killing the hell spawn. Chira, no! Chira cries for Nemesis as the assassins take her life. So bad, man. You don't just kill Bambi's mom in front of Bambi, dog. I mean, I think you do, actually. But maybe if Nemesis spent less time partying and more time being there for his wife and child. That's what I'm saying, Nemesis. I I think he might be learning a lesson when he comes back. More like Nemesis, the deadbeat, the deadbeat warlock. Um, oh, <laughs> shots fired! True statement. And yeah, there's two assassins left, and one of them dies instantly on contact with Cheer's acid-like blood, as he gives Sir uh, Hargan. Like- 
Oh yeah, like, it doesn't he just burn him into the ground. It turns him into like uh, that that dude at the end of Time Cop, basically, <laughs> like just a, oh, just, wow. just a big big flesh mass. But Hargan takes the ring. All that remains is to kill the hum- the homunculus Thoth, Nemesis's son. But as the assassin reaches for the beast, Thoth uses his magic eye beams to make Hargan see him as a human baby. A big, round Michelin baby. That's right. How is Babby formed? Warlock eye beams. As, <laughs> <laughs> as the assassin... Uh, so, um... Later, at Termite, Hargan gives Torquemada Chira's ring and then returns to his home and gives Thoth to his wife. It's a human baby! The child they've always wanted! Now he's gonna get raised Superman style! <laughs> and, uh, and the whole time... In the text boxes, it's just like, oh, he's going to kill all these people. Oh, yeah. All the humans. Mm-hmm. It's like, Thoth, oh, good. Yeah, Thoth is now hiding in the heart of Termite, waiting to get his revenge on humanity. It's going to be real awesome. Yeah, the end of book three of Nemesis the Warlock. Oh, my God, Kev O'Neill, put all of your drawing implementations down and hibernate for a little while. <laughs> it actually says that in the uh, in the uh, nerve center for Prog 349. <laughs> He's like, powering down for a bit. Like, he's just barely survived. Yeah, because there, were, there, were, there weren't even any breaks in that one. It was straight through, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, Nemesis will return in fall of 1984 for Nemesis Jesus. Book 4, The Gothic Empire. Away. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it is pretty far away, but oh, man, that's going to be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be. I'm, I just, I love, I love Nemesis so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like this development of their like of their culture that you get a chance with. Yeah, right? yeah, that's been the because cool thing you, about this you go book. To, like yeah. their party uh, where his uncle just like makes a bunch of dead skeletons rock around and shit. It's right. great. But yeah, but yeah, seeing all the all the warlocks in this book was really neat. Of just sort of like this society of a of a demon dog dragons is real awesome. There's a little bit more stuff like with the uh, just sort of the politics of termite as well, which we. We've always had, I think, but I feel like it's always just just good to check in on. Um, I wish there was more to, uh, Torquemada this one. I think there'll be more of him in the future. Um, I just kind of like Torquemada being all evil and stuff. Well, it's um, because he's a fucking badass evil dude. That's right. Um, yeah, but otherwise, just great stuff. Great fight scenes. Great art in general. Um, great giant robots. I love Mechquake coming back. That's so amazing. The hints of uh, the Robusters and the ABC Warriors coming back as well is also really amazing. Um, I'm just so stoked for Nemesis to come back, and I just love this story. It's one of my favorite, great, great favorite thrills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, especially this era. Like, you know, yeah, I'm real. Nemesis is still real top. It's something I really look forward to every time we get to talk about it, for sure. Such a beautiful comic book. Yeah, All right. yeah, yeah. Enough gushing. <laughs> yeah. Now that the Pat Mills power hour is ended, let's cool let's cool down with some non thrills covers and nerve setter. Hurrah. Yay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pril uh God Prog that's Prog and Thrill put together, I guess, but uh, Prog 346, dinosaurs are in town! Hold your fire as this big old uh, for this big old T-Rex on this Ron Smith cover. Uh, in the Nerve Center, Thargamata tells us about the recent meetings. Yeah, it's an awesome Thargamata picture. But he tells us about recent meetings of the Cartoonists Club of Great, of Great Britain and the 1983 Eagle Awards. 
Um, this time there actually were, were records from the Eagle Awards and pretty much all of it was swept by, uh, by Alan Moore and Warrior comic, especially like a Marvel Man or a Miracle Man, I think as we call it here, here in the US, which is real awesome. Um, the one thing 2000 AD did win was a character most worthy of their own series, which is Judge Anderson, who, who I believe, you know, she actually did get her own strip in, uh, the Judge Dredd annual this year, I think, Mm. or maybe the 2000 AD, one of these annuals, there was Mm. a, uh, there was a Judge Anderson story and she'll get one in the next year's annual too, but I think it's not till 85 that we actually get a, a, a Anderson solo strip in, uh, in the, in the props. That's still awesome. Still awesome. Um, letters include a picture. Oh yeah, man. Letters include a picture of judge Ted. I believe a teddy bear judge. Um, yeah. I mean, it looks like a mouse, right? But not, I guess, no, yeah. he's like a teddy bear. He's got the thing. Yeah, he doesn't have like the, 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 the tail, you know, um, letter. Uh, so, then there's letters about uh, a real live Mac Mac Falls in uh, South Africa. I think there's like oh. Mac Mac Falls and Mac Mac Lake. Um, oh. There's a, a complaint. <laughs> we gotta go. There's a complaint about uh, in the annual calling the movie Revenge of the Jedi because the name hadn't filtered through, but by, by that point, um, oh. there's also complaints about the massive thrill power of Prog Three Thirty Five, and there's a mention that Throg will be interviewed on the radio. Whoa! Mid- yeah, mid- right. yeah, mid Prog. There, it's probably just Steve McManus or. Doing a, a voice is my is, is my guess. Uh, Mid Prague is a great full color ad for Crow. Hell yes. Yeah, I like I I like Crow besides just um, the fact that like that thing is real hard to hold, which I enjoy for a magical weapon. It's just that yeah. it's got, it's got all of the um like British British actors in it, <laughs> like young though. It really does. Like Liam Neeson, Brian Blessed, all those guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, Mid-Prog, there's a sweet offer for a Return of the Jedi duvet set for 14 pounds. Ultimate right. Christmas gift. And there's a contest sure to win a radio badge. Okay. Also, what, what is a radio badge? I believe it is a thing. It is a small radio that you pin to your chest, and you can like listen to the radio through it, but it doesn't have headphones or anything. Okay. All I right. guess. I guess. Um, there's also, I think this is kind of funny, there's some coupons to cut out that say hint hint with a picture of the cover of the 2000 AD annual on it just to sort of, you know, spread around your house so your mom can find it so to get you the annual for Christmas, basically. Beautiful. Um, Prague 33347, listen, Judge, you're not going to believe this. Again, citizen, a mega citizen with the episode 100 spirit, uh... Just having fun with dinos as they're on the run in Mega City One. So that's what I'm calling drunkenness now. That's all. Um, in the nerve center, it's episode 100. Yeah, in the uh, in the nerve center. Yeah, you, if you're if you're drunk and doing something, you're episode 100. Uh, in the nerve center, <laughs> Tharg 3PO warns us of the Christmas pud, and there's a picture of a space dude named Cougar. Also, letters gross and awesome. Oh yeah, letters ask about Ace Garp. And there's requests for 2000 AD to come to the Andromeda Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Plus, there's an ad for the Odyssey 7 Comic Book Mart, which is opened in Manchester. So there's comics in the north. Listen to that. It's yeah. open Monday to Saturday, 9.30 to 5.30. That's right. Mid-Prog, there's a micro page with digital pictures of Skiz and the Blitzspear. And then just more computer games and programming books, as well as micro zappers, which is high scores for different computer games. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I like the Skiz drawing. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, but the Nemesis Blitzphere is like a clear winner. 
I don't I don't even know if that was actually drawn with a computer. That just feels like it was drawn pixelatedly <laughs> or something mm. like that. At the end of this prog, we get a bunch of contest results, including the Electrolympics Championships and the Return of the Jedi and Robo Machine Champions. Uh, shout out to 2080 Forums member Wizbang, who was apparently a runner-up for the Robo Machine cha- uh, competitions. You know, That's shout awesome. out. Yeah. Um, Prog 348. Ho, ho, ho. Tharg and Bert decorate the dictators of Zrag in a frozen bathtub in this in festive Christmas Eve cover. Gift, in a true gift of Christmas to us, this comic does not exist. No. <laughs> but it's a festive cover by Eric Bradbury in the That's Nerve it. Center. Tharg Christmas, like Father Christmas. Uh, talks talks up the Anthony Nolan appeal, where you should basically like send old stamps you have for charity. I don't know what, but, but uh, whatever, man. This is some like eighties fundraising thing. Uh, the uh, Anthony Nolan is a organization that fights blood cancers and has like a like like a bone marrow registry and stuff like that, which I think is oh, a worthy cause. Yeah, check that's them a out. Very worthy cause. Yeah, check them out at anthonynolan.org. Anyhow, letters ask what will happen to this title after 2000 AD, like, passes. Uh, and Dark <laughs> says, it's a secret. Uh, spoiler, nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> a dude in Hong Kong has gotten a sweet custom dread windsurfing sail. And there's a letter for, from the dictators of Zrag asking to please come out of the tub on the cover. No dice! <laughs> Yeah, man, you're stuck in there for a reason. Yeah. Mid-Prog, it's Rojas' films of the year. Number one is Return of the Jedi, then War Games, Superman 3, and Something Wicked This Way Comes. And it's time to get stoked about movies of 1984, including uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which I'm pretty stoked about. It's a good one. Yeah. Later, there's a nice Rogue Trooper pinup by Brett Ewins with Rogue and the Chips. And we end with a bunch of reader art, including Rogue fighting some Norts, a submarine judge, and a cool picture of Judge Shedd arresting a dude. Dude, um, and and figurines for your definitely Judge Shred, uh campaign. Absolutely, yeah. You know, no, there's ads for uh, Judge Shred miniatures and 2080 back issues on this page. Uh, prog number one is six pounds. Progs from 301 onwards are 25 pence. Well, not bad, I yeah. guess. You know, supply is much liar back then, although I'm surprised any of these things survived just because they're on, like, old newspapers, basically. Yeah. Uh, in Prog 339, the Archdeviant is defeated in a demonic Torquemada cover by Kev O'Neill. It's real awesome. It's just, like, super gross. He's got a thousand tongues and a gaping maw and a bunch of... Like, yeah. I don't know what it is with O'Neill drawing, like, a wormy nose. Like, a, a tentacle-filled nose. Yeah. It's, it's I like love the eighth time he's done it. It's really <laughs> Yeah. It's like a... It's, like, almost... But like a fractal picture, yeah. like as you, the, the more you look at it, like even just at a separate spot, you can see tentacles within tentacles and stuff. It's real great. Uh, in the nerve center, Tharg Television, TTV, um, <laughs> wishes up us a happy new year as Nemesis ends and art robot O'Neill uh, goes for a much needed tune up. <laughs> There's a picture of Nemesis, the door lock, which I laughed at for about a minute. That was, it's very weird. <laughs> Um, letters include one in dialect from Cornwall, which I don't know. There's a request for a Kiltro Thargo, a question about Tudor judges with fake limbs. Also, thanks for folks coming out to conventions in Glasgow and Birmingham in previous months. Awesome. Midprog, yeah, ne- yeah, it's awesome, man. Ne- uh, Midprog, we get Tharg's year in review of all the cool stuff 
Uh, that was in 2000 AD in 1983. For more info, check out our next episode for the Spinnies. <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. We're going to talk about almost all of them. Yeah, and, uh, you know, also whatever. Like, the, all the episodes since ni- uh, episode 92. <laughs> like, we could do that too more in depth. Um, and yeah, this prog ends with previews for upcoming thrills, including DR and Quinch and the Strontium Dogs uh, series. And there's an awesome pinup of Robo Carlos's Scare by Robin Smith, having completed both a page of dread and slain a robot bull. Ole! It's just so, it's so weird. He, is there any particular reason? Because he's coming in kind of late, even though he's been on the team for quite a while. I guess I think, everyone else was there longer, right? Well, no, no. Scare's been there a real long time. This is just sort of occasional. They just do it every once in a while, it seems like, you know? Mm. So I think it's, honestly, I think it's just like as, um, as as Robin Smith like feels like drawing you or something like that, or if they get Ron Smith to do it too, like it's just sort of random things. And I think they did, you know, they've had like they've done a lot of different artists, so it's sort of the, they're definitely getting the top ones, you know, like they got mm. Frame, they got Bellardinelli. I think you're right, but I bet it's almost just like when they have a spa- a spare back page, they just toss one on these. And honestly, a lot of the back pages recently have been like ads and stuff, so there just hasn't been space for it. Or, or something, I, I don't mean, know. Yeah, no, I, I think that actually makes a lot of sense. I, just I was more say, curious than anything else. Yeah, I just want to say that I love the uh, the glasses on the Ascarabot. It's real funny. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, but speaking of uh, things coming in just the right time, Fox, it's Thrill 4 Time Twisters and Future Shocks. Well done. And I just I want to give a big... Uh, pat on the back to Time Twisters and Future Shocks. You guys didn't overstay your welcome. I'm so proud of you. Nah, a bunch of real quick ones this time. Um, and yeah, we've actually had like the last two or three months haven't had any Future Shocks. This is just sort of them yeah. sneaking in at the end of the year. Um, so, the, so the first story is Kesarasra. Whatever, whatever will be, will be. Um, uh, script robot Alan Grant is Stavros. Art robot Robin Smith. Lang robot Tom Frame. So. Just a little two-pager here, and a rare superhero comic in 2080. A rugged, handsome superhero with an awesome mustache saves a lady from being kidnapped, punching the crook into next week. A few days later, the uh, lady that was being kidnapped is still pining for the superhero when the crook appears out of thin air, uh, landing from the punch, (laughs) knocking her out, stealing her stuff, and walking off into the night. Superheroes can't change fate. I mean... You know, it's generally why you don't want to punch someone into next week. <laughs> hey, he's lucky that he also traveled next week in distance instead of just in space strontium dog oh, style. God, that would have been horrible. In that case, he'd just been killing a whole lot of people with his time punches. <laughs> I, I mean, it didn't really seem to be too worried about any of it. Fair. Yeah, we don't know what this what this W superhero's uh, uh, ethos is. That's right. Uh, the next story is the plaque, which one hundred percent of the time I wrote as the plague when I was writing this Maya recap <laughs> of this. Uh, so script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Alan Langford, letting robot Pete uh, Pete Knight. So this is a, another quick one. Fox, are you aware of the, of the Pioneer plaque? Yeah, um, man. Uh, Carl's. This is like a huge riff on Carl Sagan. Big Carl Sagan thing. Yeah, he wanted this plaque attached to the Pioneer. 10 and 11 uh, spacecrafts, which were launched in the early 70s, just on like sort of an escape velocity from Earth, basically. It's now about, like, I think it's like 13 astronomical, no, like, no, sorry, like 100 astronomical units out from out in space, which is real in the middle of nowhere. Far. 
but way farther that that than you can handle. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Um, so, but basically, it's a gold plaque that's sort of like tried to just kind of encapsulate humanity, like like a picture of like a, a man and a woman, some basic like hey, we know math stuff, and then yep. an attempt to triangulate where the solar system is in relation to nearby uh, pulsars. Um, Carl Sagan was pissed about the final thing because it sort of had like a, uh, a, a a white man and woman instead of sort of a, a pan-ethnic kind of version of them. Mm. Um, but whatever, they, we, we put them on spaceships and kicked them out into space. And they show up now and then, you know, just in science fiction things and stuff. Um, the pioneers were also along the same lines as the Voyagers, which, of course, we saw in Star Trek uh, 1. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> so ve- eventually, Fox, some, some aliens do find the plaque. And are stoked Ugh. because they look ju- because the people on the plaque look just like them, or so they think. Because actually, they look like the lines triangulating Earth and the different pulsars. And now Earth is being attacked by hyper advanced alien knucklebone monsters. It's real terrifying. If I'm being perfectly honest, that's right. Also, I found out that jacks are actually called knucklebones, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. If you go on the Wikipedia page for Jax, the actual title is Knucklebones. Oh, that's really horrible and creepy, yeah, it's, I feel it's like. weird. Super agree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of uh, super horrible, nah, I don't know. But oh, it's, uh, uh, we got Jogging, script robot Alan Grant as Stavros. Art robot so bizarre. Jeff Sr. letting robot Peter Knight. So this is our first art by Jeff Sr. here in the podcast in a very weird mm-hmm. story. Hey, newspaper writer who uses the word jogging all the time mm. goes to see a professor who is unveiling a time machine. Uh, as he begins the demonstration, a weird time egg suddenly appears. Yeah, the and, usual things start happening in Time Twister stories, yeah, right? Yeah, people start showing up at the d- unveiling of the first time machine. Um, yeah, it, the time egg is followed by a pair of time cops from the year 2100. They are here to, t- to stop some time crooks from stealing the first time machine. Uh, the time crooks were, the, um, show up and it turns out that they're the ones that sent the weird egg, which turns out to be an amnesia bomb. Uh, uh the criminals take the time machine and the clothes of everybody else involved. And which, the, all right. the quartet of guys wakes up in their underwear, only remembers, um, the jogging stuff that the reporter kept talking about. Yeah. And so they all go for a run in the rain. What the fuck? <laughs> You know, time travel's weird and confusing. Bam, bam, bam. Like, I don't know. I, I, I guess, like, it's just... Does that seem like a good idea? I guess it did. They're all doing it. I mean, it's called jogging, so it's very much, um... Like, this is the punchline we've been working through this whole story. But, yeah. ooh, <laughs> it's not great. Just, yeah, no, it wasn't good. I just, I didn't... I didn't see it coming in the in the more positive way. But do you know which one I fucking absolutely loved <laughs> oh is it this diplomatic blunder one i like this, oh, this one too great uh script robot alan hebden art robot eric bradbury letting robot tony jacob so hey man <laughs> welcome to the fifth interstellar congress it's the first time it's being held on earth and the president of earth is worried about being impolite and causing an, in- an intergalactic incident which would uh, not be good yeah, starts off weird with this lizard dude spitting in his face. A ball guy, like a like a fluffy ball, comes by and tickles everybody. And a big <laughs> ant eater monster eats a dude. Man, that's rough. Um, no, it's it's like super gross. She's she's like, yeah, you know, he's he ate all of the people who would have stopped him on his planet. So he's like a big <laughs> deal because of that. Yeah, and then he's just like. 
these are uh, they're these very are our, good our, troops. Yeah, our best troops, and he eats one because he only eats the best. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> a, God. Uh, a bug man comes out and shakes the president's leg, and then he's like a, a centipede guy, so he rips off his own leg and hands it to the president, and the president is not is not going to rip off one of his own legs in response. Oh. And so he like says like no, and he like pushes him. This causes a massive domino effect of different guys attacking each other, and basically a war breaks out. An intergalactic war breaks out. <laughs> An hour later, it's all oh. death and destruction everywhere. And a president would prefer war any day. Yeah, uh, just like what the hell? <laughs> I gotta say, I love uh, Eric Bradbury's art for this story because mm. he draws all the aliens. As like dressed very human fancily, so like the yes. the lizard guy is wearing like a top hat and like and like a tuxedo, and like the uh, the anteater guy that eats people has like a fancy cane and stuff. Like it's, it's very real, everybody's real, real dashing at this uh, <laughs> thing where everybody gets eaten. You know, hey man, it's a uh, it's a big event. Totally, don't want to miss it. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think I just think it's really funny. Um, so great. Yeah, and speaking of crazy aliens, Fox. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's Thrill 5 Rogue Trooper. Uh, art robot, or script robot Jerry Finley Day, art robots Cam Kennedy and Baluda, letting robot Bill not all. Hey, it's Conrad from the future. In going over this episode, I realized that we missed a very important thing in Rogue Trooper for Prague 346, which is that our buddy, the alien Skiz, appears in the upper left-hand corner of the first page. Try to be more observant in the future. Until then, keep watching the stars. Okay, so Fox Rogue Trooper has been in, has been captured by a Nort infiltration unit. Oh yeah, no, I remember. He's all he's all uh, uh, poisoned up. Yeah, he's not hit, feeling super high. Been hit by Virus much. X. Yeah, even the bartender that we saw last time is in on it because while he's a injured vet, all right, he's an injured Nort vet. Oh <laughs> God, how did a Nort get a spot in this place? Probably because no one's paying attention. Yep. In the cellar of the bar, there are thousands of oxygen bottles ready to resupply an incoming Nort invasion, and there's nothing Rogue can do about it because he's been drugged by Virus X. Uh, oh, God. Trapped How are we going to get out of this situation? Yeah, man. It's tough. Trapped in the basement, Rogue realizes that he's not alone because the ceiling is covered in weird fungus aliens. Oh, man. They've been hiding out here for a while because they look like other fungus, but they can speak. And so now I got to translate and hope that they help me out. Will they help him out, Conrad? Yeah, man, because they're Rondonians. And while they're supposed to be, while they consider themselves pacifists, they changed their tune once they found out that their planet was capped, was destroyed by the Norts. Oh, man, that's good. Also, they have gross suction cup legs. Yep, they go to grossly help Rogue, but before they can, some the Nort show up and blast them all to death. It's like, yeah, now fix this, huh? Yeah. With its dying breath, though, one of the Rondonians manages to slide Rogue a seal burster. He can oh. blow all the ox bottles in the basement, but he wants to warn the other aliens first, hopefully without alerting the Norts. So, we cut to a Nort attack that's almost at the city of Cairo, which I just realized is named after the uh, Egyptian city. Uh, <laughs> but they're almost out of air! Give these people air! Um, Give these people air! Damn it, Colhagen! <laughs> See you at the party, Richter! Um, anyhow, uh, or Bennett, well, I don't forget. Uh, Whatever. Meanwhile, Rogue is able to broadcast to the aliens of the Gazba to evacuate and warn the Humes. Just like... 
real smart, and everybody freaks out and starts getting the F out of Dodge. Yeah, this causes a riot, but before Rogue can blow the oxygen, the Nort collaborators show up and draw guns on him! Oh man, now, like, everything keeps happening every time he does the thing. How's he gonna get out of this one, Conrad? Well, luckily, once again, he's saved by some new alien friends. In this case, it's those brutals from last episode who show up and kill the, uh, the bubble dancer and the bartender guy. Uh, With they, relative ease. And hey, you know, just for shits and giggles, uh, the tentacle monster from Hotel Room 6, 7, and 8 shows up. That's right. Yeah, they uh, the brutals don't like to run without somebody knowing why, but now they realize that Rogue was saving their lives, so they're grateful. And the uh, beast from 6, 7, and 8 is willing to help with the plan. All the aliens run out of the gasba as the brutals carry Rogue out, and the hotel guest blows all the oxygen. You know, it'll blow off one of his tentacles, but, you know, he can grow more. And the aliens had, uh, they had warned all the humans in Cairo that hey, shit was going to go down. Hey, you know why uh, the guest in apartment room six was afraid of apartment guest seven? No, why? Because uh, seven, eight, nine. Um, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I messed that up and I apologize for everybody. So I, um. I think that the pacing and sarcasm was just enough. <laughs> Doing my best. Um, anyhow, they, they, they blow the oxygen. Um, the Southers are saved, and this massive blowout of air has actually cleaned up the gas by making it the, uh, the, the most breathable part of the city. The Southers and aliens decide to live in harmony as the Nort attack is taken captive because they don't have enough air. And it's like a, one, a rare 100% win for Rogue Trooper um, in this yep. story. Hooray, no random person died. I mean, some bad guys died, but they shouldn't well, have been bad guys. Yeah, I mean, that's the rule, right? If you're going to work for Cobra Commander, you're going to be a bad guy. That's so true. Uh, although Cobra <laughs> Commander himself works for Serpentor, so it's even better. Um, I know. So. Well, so that's what I'm saying. He's, so he's working for triple evil. He's double evil. Whoa. At that point. <laughs> If you're working for that man, you're just regular ass evil. You get all the evil uh, like code names, right? Like that's even, how you know you're bad. I don't even know if our mostly English fan base knows about GI Joe, which is sad. Uh, anyhow, I mean, it's it's like Rogue Trooper, except there are a hundred of them, and they all have different superpowers. Or like to uh, like a, like a Action Force or Action Man or something. Oh, there we go. But anyhow, yeah. uh, Baluda's back on art in our next prog as Rogue is making his way around New Earth when he comes to a massive patch of biowire. It's taking over the planet. Gross. Uh, Rogue blows a path through and barely makes it and seems like the wires gain some kind of bioacid property, which I don't think it had before. No. Um, Rogue marks the site with an auto alarm and makes his way onwards. In the distance, he sees a sealed installation whose camouflage has been worn away. He makes his way there and enters and finds an old, a huge old bunker full of junk from old earth. The curator, this old guy, welcomes Rogue. He says he's maintained this store of old earth culture for years and he just sort of locked it up and hid the place once the war started. He gives Rogue some kind of old earth drink, like, you know, maybe a Coke or something. And the guy has been, like, he's been super nice, right? He's like, oh yeah, you know, it's all my stuff and, Blah, blah, and Rogue, for whatever reason, is just, like, kind of a dick. Like, fuck all this, I don't care. Now, he doesn't care about Old Earth. And, but, yeah. but, but when he drinks the drink, it apparently interacts with the biowire acid, which causes him to freak out, and the old guy to, like, be angry at him. 
Um, it's real weird. Yeah. So Rogue finds himself suddenly transported back in time to the era of this old guy's junk. And he's in, like, 1980s gang-filled Earth. It's very, um, like, an after-school special about getting in with the wrong crowd kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> Except he suddenly becomes the leader of that wrong well, yeah. crowd. All these guys are so tough, but Rogue isn't impressed, man. Like, they try to, like, you know, they, like, hit him with their chains. And Rogue's like, man, I'm like a genetically engineered super soldier. I can't feel this pain. He's so rough and resilient that, yeah, they decide to make him their leader. And Rogue realizes that all the weapons and equipment of Earth are no match for him. And we just see him just blowing the hell out of old Earth. <laughs> it's really great. I'm the best! I'm the GI! Yeah. Yeah, w- when he wakes up, he's outside the, uh, the outside the base because the old guy just sort of tossed him out there once Rogue started freaking out in his museum. But... <laughs> As he says, he said he also realizes that uh, the whole sealed base is being engulfed by newly mobilized biowire. Uh, it must have followed him there, Rogue. You're the reason everyone dies. Yep. Soon the whole place is engulfed, as is Rogue. He gives the old guy a quick death by hitting the sealed installation with a seal burster. Jesus. And then covers the area with grenades so he can escape. He's back where he belongs. New Earth. Killing dudes. Yeah. Next time, Rogue Trooper in color. Ooh. Yeah. At last, it's like, you know, I'm always surprised that such a key part of Rogue Trooper is that he's blue and he's so rarely actually blue in the comics. Yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) you forget about it sometimes. Other than that, he's like completely pale versus everybody else. Plus he's got like uh, storm eyes. Yeah. Um, But anyhow, Actually, Venus blue jeans we've seen blue like more times than... Nah, because Rogue's been blue on the the cover a bunch and stuff like that. Oh yeah, that's right. So, anyhow... (laughs) Fox, that's it for this episode. Uh, uh, December 1983, Prox 346 to 349, and this year of 1983, cheese and crackers. Um, the question though is what were, what were your top and bottom thrills for this episode? Oh man. Uh, I mean, for me, once again, real fucking easy for me to talk about. (laughs) I mean, that shit's just Nemesis as hell. Nemesis is the best. I love Nemesis. I like Chira. Rest in peace, Chira. Your weird homunculus baby will live on uh, with surrogate human parents, probably to seek revenge. I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see uh, Nemesis feel real bad, but this was fucking great. Like, the whole thing. That dude turned into a pool of people goo uh, after touching a ring, man. Like, that shit was great. The gross baby was great. The Mm -hmm. the finding out about Rojas and Hammerstein was great. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love you, Nemesis. Give me a little smooch on the lips. Whoa. Nice. I don't even know if Nemesis has lips. <laughs> we'll find it. Got that big fate, like a uh, radiator front mouth. Uh, okay, so, so so what was your bottom for this month? That's the question. Uh, like, so, man, I don't know. Like, it's it's sort of rough here, because, like, uh, I actually liked Rock the Gasbot near the end. I think Rogue's doing some old hat stuff. Uh, it just, like... It's not losing too many points. Like, Dread almost got there for me just because it, it was, like, an okay story. And Dread generally doesn't go into okay, but there mm-hmm. were dinosaurs, so it was sort of offset. So, to be <laughs> honest, I'm going to I'm gonna give it to the fact that uh, Future Shocks and uh, Time Twisters, like, I would much rather read uh, any of their other, like, series, right? Like, I, not that I hate it, but it's, oh, I just have... 
I just have a preference. I would rather read one of the one of the storylines they got going in for us than little one-offs each time. I mean, Whoa, they're time nice tw- little reprieves. Yeah, time twister coming back just gets smacked back down. I love it. All right. I mean, it's you know that's <laughs> yeah, that's fair. When when you're not strontium dog, I'm sorry. <laughs> Absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. Um, How about you, Conrad? What's your tippity top and bibbity bottom? Ooh, it's a good question. For bibbity bottom, I'm gonna say Rogue Trooper. I didn't like it that much. Um, didn't really like the Gazbus story. It just felt like it was, I don't know, it felt like it was missing something for me. Like there were some parts where the dots didn't quite connect or something. Yeah. Um, maybe I was reading it too fast, but I wasn't quite clear on how like he broadcasted his voice and stuff. That just kind of made it no. kind of confusing for me. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the time slip story was weird, too. Like, I don't understand the point of it, I guess. No, like, it's completely out there. I don't know why he was suddenly a dick. I don't know why he was in a museum. And then, weird. like, the end of just, like, yeah, Biowire took it as kind of like, okay, I guess. Like, whatever. Um, <laughs> why did we I mean, stop? It's, it's not that these stories have to have points or something, but, like, sometimes they do, you know. And so it's weird. <laughs> it's weird when they're just sort of like, yeah, here's some events that happen. There's no real moral or anything. <laughs> Besides the fact that, like, Rogue belongs on New Earth. But, like, he was built to be on New Earth, so obviously he belongs here, you know? Oh, my God. By his nature. Um, They don't always have to have points, but sometimes they do. I mean, uh, I'm trying to be real. It's like, you don't always have to do the yeoman's work, but it feels like most of this has been pointless. I mean, mean, you know, in the end, like, this thing, you know, the comic's just here to sell Weedabix and stuff like that. Oh, my God. But, you know, they try to, like, bring things up and have stories that are, you know, make sense sometimes. Um, anyhow, for top, I'm gonna say Nemesis, man. This is a real good Nemesis. Good cliffhanger with, um, with both the huge victory of uh, Nemesis and the big defeat of Chira dying and the huge cliffhanger of Thoth being undercover in Termite. Like, it's all cool stuff. Yeah, like you said, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! I, I like how we both paused for that. I love this, and now it's your turn. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that I just real like, like, I mean, like you said, like Nemesis finding Chira dead is gonna be a real good moment. Um, all this, like, the hijinks that Thoth can get up to on Earth seems really interesting. Um, and just yeah, like it's more Nemesis stuff. Always good. Love Nemesis. So beautiful. Yeah. Think about it. Totally. And with that, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter at spacespinner2k for everything else, just look up spacespinner2000 when we should be there. <laughs> oh, snap. And then come back on Thursday as 1983 draws to a close and we once again prepare our year in review show, The Spinnies. Everybody's going to bring out tuxedos that are made of gold. I'm going to drink gold champagne and paint. Gold paint. Yeah, there's going to be frisbees for everybody. Who wins an award, I guess? Nah, listen, I'll give out... Everybody wins when it's Spinny's time. I'll give out Golden Frisbees to any 2008 creator. I don't care. Facts. (laughs) You know, give me a shout. I'll make it. Um, Talk to you, Ron Smith. Whoa, the 1983 Spinny's will be our most awesome Spinny's yet, if you ask me. And until then, I'm Conrad and he's Fox, and we are Space 2000. One, two, three...